Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. The high level picture of an NFT is they're authenticated digital collectibles. These have gained popularity with cryptocurrency because NFTs can't be multiplied. There's a limited supply. The transparency of it on the blockchain, the technology behind it authenticates that you are the only one who owns that NFT. Hmm. Each one is quite unique and can't be counterfeited. People are applying that anti-counterfeit ability to digital collectibles and digital art. I started looking at this and asked what if we released a podcast season and it was only available through an NFT and we had a thousand of those NFTs. The only way you could listen to this season is if you owned this NFT, you go on your phone or your computer to listen to the podcast and it verifies that you own that asset. And maybe you listen to the season and then you say, that was great. I don't need this anymore. And then you sell it to somebody else. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. I'm really excited to have on the Innova Buzz podcast today as my guest, Seth Silvers. He's the founder and CEO of Story on Media and Marketing where he helps businesses increase revenue through strategic, story-focused marketing. Seth is host of the Small Business Storytellers podcast and his new podcast series, The Business, which is being launched this year as a 10,000-piece NFT, non-fungible token collection. StoryOn helps coaches and consultants become known in their niche through podcasting. Now, if you'd like a peek behind the curtain of how this show, InnovaBuzz, works and how we put it together, then go to innovabiz.co forward slash flywheel. There, you'll be able to get your very own digital token, which will give you membership of the Flywheel Nation community. There, you'll have direct access to these amazing podcast guests that we speak to on each episode, as well as me, of course. And you'll have access to a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz podcasting process. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcasting into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Now, we've only minted 30 copies of this digital token, so get in quick before they're snapped up. In our conversation today, Seth talked to me about purposeful storytelling, putting our customer at the center. We talked a lot about why podcasting is such an engaging and intimate medium. And of course, Seth explained a lot of novel uses of NFTs as digital access cards. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Seth Silvers. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today and looking forward to this conversation. And welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast from Fort Collins in Colorado, the USA, Seth Silvers, who's a storytelling strategist, a marketer, a podcaster, and founder of Story on Media and Marketing. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Seth. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Yes, thank you. I'm uh, really happy to be here and excited to excited to get to talk. And usually I'm on your side of things, so it's fun to, fun to get to be on this side. <laughs> yeah. Franklin Taggart, who was our guest on episode 507, and he's also a podcaster, he suggested that we have a conversation and he introduced us. So big hello to Franklin. 
Yeah, absolutely. Franklin is uh, super wonderful. And he's actually, uh, I know him, I actually know him in person because uh, we live in the same town, which I feel right. like it's, yeah. it's more and more rare these days. We just keep meeting people <laughs> yeah. over Zoom. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, the pandemic has opened up that possibility that we meet people all around the world. But um, it's important that we don't forget to connect in person where the opportunity certainly is there. Absolutely. Now, you work to help businesses grow through podcasting, through content development and through storytelling. So I'm really looking forward to exploring all those things some more today. Before we do that, what's the impact you're having in the world and what impact do you want to leave in the world today? Uh, or not today, but <laughs> overall, Seth. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good question to start with. I think it's it's really something that I've been trying to dial in over the last couple months. Um, I, I feel like I'm very mission driven, but it's also, I think it's really easy to think, oh, we want to make an impact, but are we really zooming out to kind of measure that? Hmm. For me, just kind of personal life mission, I really want to help change change people's lives through purpose through sharing purposeful stories, I think. Um, that's something my wife and I have actually been talking about. We, ch we changed that word from transformational stories to purposeful stories. Hmm. Um, cause we started realizing, you know, every story doesn't have to be this big, epic, crazy story. Um, but every story is purposeful, even negative stories and bad stories and, and you know, great stories, every yeah. story is purposeful. And so I really feel, you know, a sense of calling to help really see people's lives change through the sharing of purposeful stories. That's the big picture on, on a micro level today with what we're doing in business. Um, that's really happening, hopefully, through helping to share some of our clients' stories and really the work that they're doing. Um, the clients that we're working with and the people that we get the opportunity to serve, um, mostly through podcasting, we're generally helping to take you know, their story, their, their knowledge, the ways they've impacted lives and hoping to kind of give those stories a megaphone. And so that's how, that's how we're helping to do that today is, um, really, like you said, through podcasting and through kind of giving these stories more of a platform and helping our clients to get their stories out in front of more people. Hmm. That's wonderful. And I, I found it fascinating. I heard you talk about this switch to from using the word transformational to purposeful. I uh, find that fascinating because I use transformational a lot. And I, I think for me, it's less about, um, I talk about a story that's transformational, but my transformation is the listener is changed in some way. So yeah. in, in a way, and that's, that's the, the way the it purpose. should be approached. Yeah. yeah. Rather than, I love that. hey, um, I was here and then I underwent this massive transformation or I did something that right. transformed um, me in, in some big way. Often it's just little things, little stories that I tell, right. but it's still, I still position them as transformational because my purpose, I guess, is, is to mm -hmm. change. So I was fascinated about that. Tell us a little bit about your journey to storytelling, I guess, and, and then podcasting. Mm -hmm. I, I guess they're in parallel or maybe in sequence. Yeah, it's been a little bit more in sequence. Um, I was actually, when I was in high school and young, about 16, I was actually a part of helping start a nonprofit organization with some of my friends. And, you know, really early on, I think that we saw the power of storytelling and we were putting on these community events. And I think that we saw that the, the way to get people and in the work that we were doing, we were trying to get people from different backgrounds to come together to these events. Mm -hmm. And the way to do that was to give them one story that everybody could align with and to make it about a story. And, and in that, I think we saw that stories bring people together and that was really transformative and intention, you know, it, it just changed me um, and really showed me the power of storytelling. I think over the next handful of years, I was really drawn to businesses that incorporated storytelling into their model. I still remember, you know, being really impacted in high school by you know, the Invisible Children organization and how they use storytelling to raise awareness about, you know, some of the child trafficking and child soldiers um, that was happening in Uganda at the time. You know, even with Tom's Shoes, when they launched their um, shoe company and kind of kind of pioneered the <coughs> buy one to give one model, mm. that was really impactful for me. And I was drawn to businesses that were incorporating storytelling. 
And so then in college, I remember watching the Super Bowl and being really excited kind of for the football, but also mostly for the ads. And, you know, in America, it's everybody watches it, but everybody's kind of, you know, it's like, well, do you, are you quieter during the football or are you quieter during the ads? And you don't really know which one, when do you take the bathroom breaks? Cause you want to see, you want to see the commercials. Hmm. Um, and so I remember watching it and kind of having this expectation of, okay, this is going to be like some of the best companies with the biggest budgets telling stories to kind of win us over. And I just remember being really underwhelmed and very much feeling like, man, this is, these are all just gimmicky ads. Like they're not telling stories. Like I don't know how these brands are making an impact in people's lives. And that's the information that I want to learn. And so that experience really kind of planted a question in my mind of, is it possible for businesses to actually grow through storytelling? Like would it work if businesses focus more on marketing with stories? And so over the next couple of years, I, you know, I graduated college, worked in marketing for a nonprofit. Um, and I was just thinking about this question in the back of my mind. And I started seeing more examples of businesses that were marketing with stories and they were mm-hmm. building their marketing campaigns around it. And so that was when I started story on that was in 2015. We started with the focus of helping small businesses market with stories. And so we didn't really have a super specific focus as far as a specific medium. We even kind of said, you know, we're medium agnostic. We care more about the stories. Um, Over time, I just kind of became more and more focused on, you know, more specific niche. And, you know, we started our podcast, uh, The Small Business Storytellers. That did well in respects. You know, people enjoyed it and it was, you know, it it was a great show. We enjoyed it as well. And so I slowly just had more clients that said, hey, can you do a podcast for us? We really like what you're doing. And then I kind of had a moment about 18 months to two years ago where we just kind of stepped back and said, okay, we're, we're doing 20 different things for 20 different clients. Like we're going to be able to make a lot more of an impact if we build everything around like doing one thing really well Hmm. for a specific segment, even though that means we're going to have to say no to a lot of other things. And, um, so the last two years has been really amazing. Um, and it's been really fun just getting to focus specifically on storytelling through podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. That's fabulous. I mean, there's a lot, lot to unpack there in, in some ways your journey to podcasting mirrors mine a little bit in that, um, starting my own podcast and having that be successful and having others see that success and then ask, Hey, can you help me? start a podcast or can you give me advice about podcasting or can you tell me about how to get started or can you do editing for me because I I hate Mm -hmm. the editing part and all these different things then led to a much tighter focus on using podcasting as a a medium to get the marketing message out. Um, On the stories, uh, we talked a little bit about purposeful versus transformational what makes a good story that actually engages, captures people's attention and stays in their minds when, when they then think of a particular brand? Yeah, that is a good question. And I think it's an evolving answer. I think there's not one answer that fits them all. Um, I've, I've really aligned a lot with the hero's journey um, kind of story mm. model. Um, it's been popularized in the last five or six years by... Uh, Donald Miller and StoryBrand and the amazing work that they've done. And that book is fantastic. For me, I remember watching a TED Talk by a lady named Nancy Duarte. And she has a communications firm, I think in DC. And she was hired by people like Steve Jobs um, and by these huge you know, tech company CEOs to help them craft you know, these big product releases. And so she Hmm. went through some of these, you know, talks. She went through the 2007 iPhone speech and she went through all these different talks on this TED talk and showed how this storytelling formula of the hero's journey really connected. And um, I remember my mind was just like blown. I was, Hmm. I don't know, this was probably 2013 or 2014. And that simple story model, initially in its most basic form, there's a hero and there's a guide. Um, and this hero goes on a journey and the guide gives them a plan and, you know, pretty much the plan succeeds or fails. 
that story structure can go way deeper into a bunch of different mm -hmm. things. And I'm sure you're familiar with this, but a lot of the big stories, whether it's, you know, Harry Potter, or Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, um, even back to, you know, the Iliad and the Odyssey and some of, some of our best stories follow the same story structure. So I think when it comes to businesses, a lot of businesses have that flipped where in, um, in marketing as a business, we're trying to think of how, like I'm the hero, like yeah, how can I right. be the hero to my yeah. customer? And I think that little like switch, like if mm. people only make one switch in storytelling, understanding that you're the guide and your customer's the hero, and hopefully the, 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 the solution, the plan, the services, the products that you have can help your customer, your hero, you know, reach their dreams. Mm. Like that's, that's the goal of your service is for your customer to, for, to get them a little bit closer to the, to the life that they've dreamed of. So that one little switch has kind of, it was one of those things where like, you can't unhear something. Yeah. Um, once you like learn something, like once I like realized that switch of like the hero and the guide and realizing like, okay, as marketers, as businesses, we're not the hero of our client's story. Like hopefully we're the guide and we're whispering advice into their ears like Yoda does into Luke's ear and we're giving them little tips and tricks and, mm. you know, giving them some services and, you know, some serving them over years to help move them from maybe it's not all the way from like A to Z on their journey. Maybe it's just helping them one or two steps along um, as the guide, but they're, they're the hero of the journey. And so I think that little switch is what I come back to the most often when thinking about how do we be good storytellers as businesses? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's really wonderful advice. I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell's work. He's, he did the yep. initial research on um, studying stories right through the ages and came up with variations of this formula of the hero's journey. And, and I guess Star Wars, uh, George Lucas in Star Wars, he talks a lot about how he structured all the stories based on, yep. on that work. Um, and, yeah, certainly Donald Miller's work is has popularized it in in business sense and we talk about right. a lot in business now we we use that model quite a lot and that um ted talk that you referenced by nancy duarte that that's certainly fascinating because she analyzes a lot of these product launches and presentations that she had been involved in so we'll link to that mm -hmm. in the show notes as well yeah it's great hmm. and your focus on podcasting what, how how has that journey kind of strengthened that whole storytelling part of of your work? Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's strengthened it because it's given us, it's made it clear what we should say yes to and what we should say no to. I think it's been hard over the years because you know you uh, you want to help as many people as possible. But um, I think podcasting has given me a filter to be able to look through the projects or the opportunities that come our way. And, and it's really made it more clear how we can actually help people with their story. Um, or I guess maybe how we should, because there's, I can help people with their story in a lot of different ways. Hmm. Um, that doesn't mean by any means I'm an expert at all of these things. But if somebody's like, well, you know, could you advise us on a video or on blogs or on all these different things? It's like, well, yes, we could. But where should we like, where can we make the most impact? So for me, podcasting has really been a way to focus our storytelling. Um, I also think it's, it's helped me to realize that storytelling is more than just your origin story. You know, where did you come from? Yeah, How did yeah. you start it? Um, you know, when we're working with clients, one of the practices we take them through is helping them because helping them to see how many stories they have in their business. And because almost everybody, they're like, well, we don't we don't feel like we have that many stories. And it's like, okay, top 10 customers, hmm. like top 10 customer success stories. Like those are stories worth telling. Um, every one of your products and services, there's probably a story behind why you want to do that. You know, your core values, there's a story behind why that core value is important to you. Um, and then there's your origin story. But pretty quickly, I think with sitting down with somebody for 10 or 15 minutes, walking them through some of those questions, they'll pretty quickly realize, oh, there's 30, 40, 50 stories mm. that we could tell that help to serve our audience, help to move them along in their journey, but also help to you know position us as a guide. And so I think in podcasting, as we've started thinking about, okay, how do we fill 50 episodes a year? 
for some of our clients, it's helped to um, maybe expand the box, make the box bigger of what is a story and particularly in the business setting and kind of making, I think I have a lot less uh, rigid idea of what a story is now than maybe when I started. Yeah. History. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? That, um, I know I sometimes struggle with coming up with content and writing something that I don't want to tell a story that's kind of a metaphor for a particular experience or a particular lesson. And then when I take a break or I usually just kind of distract myself with other activities and then I realize that it, it doesn't need to be this big thing. And I guess this comes back mm -hmm. to your purposeful versus transformation. And sometimes there's little things that happen. Sometimes it's something that just annoys me. And I think, well, why does that annoy me? And so digging deep into those kind of things all of a sudden unearths a whole story around that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think almost everything is a story. I think we've really like put stories into a box and I think almost everything can be a story. Um, and I think there's purpose behind almost any story. Hmm. Um, and I think, you know, even, even those little moments and when we're looking at it from a business perspective, like should businesses be telling stories? Um, like especially nowadays, people want to know the context behind a business. They even want to know the mistakes. They want to know the transparency. They want to see more of the inner workings behind a business and see that journey and not just the journey all the way, like skyrocketing up. Yeah, they yeah. want to see the ups and the downs. They especially want to see how you respond to the downs. And I think podcasting's it's just such a good way to communicate that in a really transformative way, um, in a way that people are engaged with. And, and I love, I think the long form aspect of podcasts gives such a good way for people to get to know businesses and for you to actually get to share those stories in more in depth ways. So, um, yeah, it's, it, I think my perspective on stories has changed, but I think podcasting, it's just such a good, it's not the only way mm. to tell stories by any means, but it's just, it's a really, a really fun way for businesses to tell stories. Um, and I, I, I think it's a lot easier for businesses to tell stories through podcasting than other platforms. And you still have to put the work in to be good, but I think it's, I think the barrier of entry is a little bit lower in podcasting than some other platforms out there. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's pretty easy to record some audio and I guess the, yeah, structuring the content is really the, the hardest part of that or the, where the most work is and then getting the audio right yep. and doing a little bit of editing at the end. But um, yep. I, what I love about podcasting and I was having a conversation the other day with somebody from, from the radio field, so somebody that works in radio and we were comparing notes in, in the differences and the lady from the radio said that there's people listening to radio have a very short attention span. So if you're going to tell a story, a message, and we were actually talking about stories for a nonprofit that I'm a director, I'm a, on the board of directors of, and we've got some really good stories of things that we've done. And she said, yeah, but you've got to remember on radio, people's attention span is very short you can't spend more than about three to five minutes telling that story and getting the message across. Whereas in podcasting, mm -hmm. it's people listen to podcasts much more intentionally. So they're quite prepared to listen to that long form that you mentioned. How right. do you see that? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. And I mean, there's a reason that advertisers pay, you know, anywhere from five to 10 times more to reach podcasters, podcast audiences than an audience on YouTube. Um, and that's, you know, based off of average, like CPM models and kind of, we don't need to get into all the complicated stuff of advertising. But, uh, the reason behind that is because people are, you don't really accidentally listen to a podcast. Hmm. Um, you know, we could accidentally come across, I think 99% of TikToks are probably watched accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you're not asking for it, but then, you know, a TikTok or a reel or YouTube short or a lot of this short form video content, you know, it's just kind of this carousel of like constantly this algorithm that's feeding it to you. If I go and listen to a podcast, I'm choosing to listen mm -hmm. to it. I'm choosing to educate myself on this topic or I'm choosing to listen to this story. And I think that carries a lot of weight because you're going to have a lot higher retention 
Um, there's a bunch of conflicting, not conflicting. There's a bunch of varying statistics about there of what the retention rate is for podcasting. But I think the majority of listeners are listening to over half of an episode. Hmm. And so the idea of you getting, um, people's ears of their, them being attentive and listening to you for 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes every week, potentially that really builds trust. And I'm sure you've ran into this where you, a, a listener that maybe you've never interacted with, you've met them or you've talked with them and they feel like they know you. They feel yeah. like they've had yeah. all these conversations with you because they've, they've listened to you for 10 years. Um, yeah. And so I think that is the really interesting thing is the retent, the retention is longer for podcast listeners. That, that's what the data shows. And so then I think that gives an opportunity to build a deeper relationship with your listeners and really make it a community. And I, it's possible on other platforms with like with YouTube and, you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all these, but I think it just looks different and it's more challenging. I think podcasters, mm -hmm. you can really have a relationship and you can really have a community that trusts you. Um, and I think that's something that, that sets it apart. Uh, but I hadn't thought about that with radio of how radio would be a much shorter attention span but still three to five minutes that's yeah. longer than that's longer than youtube that's yeah, longer than longer. every everything else is <laughs> yeah people generally have it in the background and if their attention's captured they might listen for a short period whereas podcasting i mean i know from my experience i'll i'll put on a podcast when i'm walking when i'm sometimes when i'm riding my bike although i've sort of got mixed feelings mm -hmm. about whether that's a um safe or not when yeah. i can't when i my hearing of the surroundings is impacted. Um, I certainly listen to podcasts when I'm traveling in the car or commuting in the train. Yep. Yeah. And I do the same. And I mean, there's also studies that show, um, that sometimes our memory is actually enhanced when we're consuming audio content while we're doing something. Hmm. Um, and so like if, if our body's moving, then, you know, I, I'm not a fan of multitasking, so I don't, yeah you know, think you should be listening to a podcast while you're watching your favorite TV show. I don't think that's going to be good for retention. Um, but this idea of where a lot of times when we're listening, we're, we're fairly active. I think that in and of itself is, is, is pretty unique about podcasting and how it's usually consumed. Hmm. All right. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. You've got a, a new project coming on and I'm really um, fascinated by that because it's kind of very innovative, fits in with the theme of our our podcast um, and mm -hmm. also it's um, tackling an area that I'm not really that familiar with so I'd sort of love to learn more how that ties in with podcasting so tell us a little bit about that yeah yeah absolutely so about a year ago we uh, I, I really started exploring the space of NFTs and cryptocurrency and you know it's a whole nother story of how I got into that but my my big question that I was asking is what does this look like for your podcasters like what mm. does this mean for podcasters um, I think the the high level picture of an NFT and of this space um, for those listeners that are not super familiar is they're they're authenticated digital collectibles um, and so, uh, over the last couple of years, these have gained a lot of popularity with cryptocurrency because, um, NFTs can't be, um, they can't be conned, you know, they can't be, uh, they, they can't be like multiplied. Like there's a limited supply. Once an NFT is made, you know, it's transparent. It's, um, the transparency of it on the blockchain, uh, which is the technology behind it initially authenticates that you are the only one who owns that NFT. Hmm. So a lot of people so are each, like, okay, each one well, is so what? quite unique. Yeah, each one is quite unique and, you know, it can't be counterfeited. And hmm. so, um, you know, money is counterfeited all the time. Um, and so people kind of say that cryptocurrency can't be counter counterfeited. That doesn't mean there's not problems and risks with it. But now people are kind of applying through NFTs that anti-counterfeit ability to um, digital collectibles and digital art. And so... I started looking at this in the sense of a podcast. And the first question that I asked was, what would it, what would it look like if, um, if we released a podcast season and it was only, you know, it was only available through an NFT and we had a thousand of those NFTs. And the only way you could listen to this season is if you owned this NFT in your digital wallet. Hmm. So, you know, you go on your phone or your computer to listen to the podcast and it verifies that you own that asset, that NFT, 
Um, and maybe you listen to the season and then you say, that was great. I don't need this anymore. And then you sell it to somebody else. So it's like and a so ticket that was kind of, for the, those people that aren't sort of that yeah, familiar with the di- digital technology. It's like a digital ticket, but it's unique. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of put me on a road of really f- trying to figure out what's the best use case for podcasters. Um, I, I don't love using the word NFTs. I like using the word access cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the most valuable way yeah. for us as podcasters and content creators to think about it is an NFT is a digital access card that can't be counterfeited. It can't be, um, you know, duplicated and it can be authentic. Like who owns it is authenticated. And that gives you access to certain perks or features or different things. So, um, we're working on a podcast right now called the business. Um, and this is really going to be, we just want to start trying different ideas of how we can use NFTs as podcasters. And so it's going to be really unique. Uh, right now we have a free, po- a free NFT or a free access card that people can get. Um, and when we release the first season, uh, which will be in the next couple months, uh, the first season will only be accessible through that access card. Um, and then as we release new seasons of the business, which each season will focus on a different industry of business and how to be successful in that industry, We'll actually have special benefits and special content, um, almost bonuses hmm. that will be available for people who buy the NFTs and the digital collectibles associated with those seasons. And so one season we might dive into um, how to be a successful YouTuber and kind of the business of being a YouTube creator. And so we would release the season, six episodes, we'd interview different YouTubers, and then we'll actually release about 250 NFTs. There'll never be more. There's only 250. And those 250 NFT holders that purchase those actually get bonus content um, and potentially bonus trainings and maybe even access to our guests and access to the community with that season. And so we're really wanting to model the use case of, uh, you know, podcasters can put valuable content behind these digital collectibles called NFTs or, you know, we're calling them access cards. And so there's some, there's, there's a bunch of use cases that we're playing around with. Um, we're also getting ready to launch a podcast that's specifically going to be documenting how podcasters are using NFTs. And hopefully in that we'll kind of be able to show some different ways and different platforms that people can use and podcasters and content creators can use to incorporate this new technology into, um, into their shows. Cause I, I, I think it is the future. Um, I'm not convinced that we'll call it NFTs. Yeah. For a couple of years from now, but I think this this idea of uh, digital access being authenticated, I think that's not going anywhere. And so we want to start modeling how that can be done for podcasters. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating area, a fascinating topic. I um, when the first applications of this kind of technology came about in the art world, so. Um, mm-hmm authenticating artworks that like an original artwork is unique and yet they're very often copied or forged and right. and people falsely buy um, copies believing that they've got the original and so the, the value of that particular artwork often is a lot less than what they paid for it so it's kind of a lot of scams going on and so with this digital token artworks are starting to be authenticated now as as the original Mm -hmm. and i I immediately thought of photography because photography is another area where people just do screenshots now these days or download the digital file and and use the photograph without acknowledging the the photographer who actually is the creator and the owner of that work and i thought that that would be another great place to have kind of a digital token uh, instead of a watermark on the photograph have a digital token that that somehow links back to the photographer so that they get some benefit from the use right. of their artwork um and yeah in a way you are taking this into the podcasting space right yeah that's really the goal and you know that the artwork side of the nft world is um it's not my favorite uh because it's mostly it's mostly subjective. It's mostly um, based off of like, do people think this is valuable or mm. not? It's 
often, you know, just, okay. It's, I mean, it's very similar to an image that you might, or a painting you might have on your wall. Hmm. There's absolutely a place for it, but that, that use case isn't my favorite. Um, mostly because I think that the real value comes from the utility. Like how are you, what, you know, what value are your NFT holders getting? What value is your community that's hmm. buying your NFTs? Um, getting, you know, we're working with some podcasters right now and they're going to start releasing a certain amount of NFTs or access cards with each episode of their podcast. And they might be 10 or $20 and they're communicating it as, Hey, this is a way, if you, if you found this value, this episode valuable, this is a way to say, thank you. You know, the guest gets some of the revenue involved, but also at the end of the year, we're going to do a, a summit. Um, we're going to do a virtual event. Uh, where we bring back our most popular guests to share additional info. And the way to get into that is to have one of our NFTs. And so I think the, the question for podcasters or and really for businesses, it can't just be, okay, we're going to release a bunch of NFTs and people are going to buy them. Yeah, You really have to think about what value are you going to give to your community? Um, because if you're just wanting to you know release another product, another thing for them to buy, um, they're just not going to buy it. Uh, there's, and so it kind of makes us more accountable as creators to give additional value. Like if you're not wanting to give additional value to your audience, NFTs aren't a great opportunity for you. But if you're committed to your audience for the next couple of years and you want to build the brand and you want to build an engaged community, I think NFTs, is a, it's such a great technology to be able to engage your, really your super fans. And, and now with platforms, and I know you're familiar with uncut FM, but with platforms like Uncut FM, where they are making it extremely easy for a podcaster to actually mint their own NFTs. People don't have to worry about gas fees and digital wallets and all this complicated stuff. And then you can directly communicate with and share value with your NFT holders. Um, if Uncut disappears one day, if all these platforms disappear, um, you're still going to know who owns your okay. NFTs because yeah. of the technology behind it. And so, it kind of makes it a little bit easier to where it's, you know, you don't have to worry about, okay, man, I have a hundred thousand Facebook followers or I have a thousand. And if Facebook changes the way they do things, I don't get to communicate with those yeah. people. This technology kind of makes it possible to where you can communicate with your super fans. You can know who your super fans are and it's not dependent on a platform. And mm. I think that's one of the like trans transitions and transformations that is really, really significant for people to realize. Mm -hmm. And and that's really big. I mean, particularly in the podcasting space, one of the one of the things that I've always been cognizant of is it's it's a very one way communication without building in some level of engagement. Whether it's a community where people can um, chat with the podcast host, or whether it's um, generating comments on the blog posts associated with a podcast or whatever it might be but there's if if you're not active in doing those things then then it can be a very one-way one-way street and and having the ability to own that community and and to have it transparent regardless of platform is is very valuable i think yeah yeah and i think podcasting has struggled with engagement for a long time like it's kind of there, I know Mark Cuban has gotten a lot of flack um, in the podcasting space because he's kind of been saying for the last year or two uh, that podcasting hasn't changed in 15 years. But it's kind of true. It really hasn't that much. It's been very one way. And so I think, um, you know, NFTs, are, it's a really good way to segment your audience. It's a really, really good way to give your audience additional value and be able to understand um, what your audience cares about, um, and be able to kind of segment them into super fans and listeners and different things. And so it does make it interactive and there's, you know, fireside, which is Mark Cuban's content creation platform. And I've had the privilege of working with them as well. They're, they're working on plans right now to where you could, you know, mint NFTs or digital collectibles and access cards directly from a live recording or a live mm -hmm. conversation or a social audio conversation. So I think there's going to be more opportunities where the technology is finally catching up to where we can kind of merge together more interactive content um, and podcasting with this NFT technology 
Uh, and I think, I think it's going to be really, really fun over the next 12 months to see, see how creative some, some podcasters get. Hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. And uh, when, so when does your podcast launch that documents this journey? Yeah. So our podcast that is going to be our podcast, the business, we're pushing back that launch date. Um, that'll probably launch in August or September. And we're pushing that back because we actually are reprioritizing and we feel like launching this one that's documenting the journey is mm. a little bit more important. Um, we want to start telling the stories of other podcasters that are doing this as well. And so uh, that'll actually launch the last week of July. Um, oh, so oh. I'm not sure when this will go, but um, that will launch the last week of July. Um, I'll be talking about it on any of my social platforms, which you can find by just searching my name, Seth Silvers. Um, but right now we're finalizing the branding and the name, and then we're starting recording episodes. So we're pushing it out pretty quick, Excellent. Uh, but yeah, end of July, early August. Excellent. Well, I think from memory, this, this will air sometime in mid August. So it'll be good timing. Perfect. People can find the early episodes of that podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be great. All right. Well, I think this is a good point to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. I and mean, otherwise, we'll, we'll talk podcasting um, for another several hours because we're both very passionate about it. Well, hopefully one day we'll have the chance to do that without some uh, oceans in the middle it, of us. That's right. That yes. Um, it's, as the travel world is um, easing up the travel restrictions again. All right. So the buzz is our lightning round that I have five questions that I ask each guest. And the idea is that you'll inspire our listener to go and do something awesome as a result today. So question one, what's the first, what's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? I think they need to trust themselves, trust their own ideas. Hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah. Explain that a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I think I, I think it's easy to like not put anything into practice until we've seen it done before. Um, a lot of this journey that we're on with podcasts and NFTs, uh, part of the reason where I'm I've been moving forward with it is because it scared me, and I realized <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I've had an idea that's kind of scared me and made me nervous, and where I've been really nervous about like this might not work. Hmm. And we might look dumb or something like that. But also, um, as we kind of made some moves that kind of made some moves that we couldn't go back on, where we kind of put ourselves in a position where it's like, okay, now we're moving forward. We're talking about this thing. We're, you know, paying people as a part of this project, all this stuff. We started, people started to tell us like, oh, you're like, what you're working on is really innovative. Hmm. Um, and I think none of that would happen if I wasn't willing to trust my own ideas yeah. and, and I'm not always willing to trust my own ideas, but I think that, uh, yeah, in order to be innovative, I think we have to trust our own ideas and really be willing to fail with that too. Hmm. Yeah. And, and there's a key point in that and, and that's taking action. So be willing to take the action and experiment with it and be prepared. Okay. This is an experiment. It might not work um, the way I intended. And I, um, I always laugh and I, and I do this quite a lot and, and in some ways it's probably part of that not trusting your own ideas. I see something that's happened and I, I think I thought of that years ago <laughs> but of course yeah. that other person took action and <laughs> implemented something whereas I didn't. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think we've all been in that position um, where we've seen that or we've seen this kind of gets into, you know, maybe the less attractive ego side of us, but maybe where we've seen somebody doing something where we're like, I could be doing that and probably doing that better, but they're, but they're the one out there doing it That's really right. successful mm -hmm. because yeah. they took the action. Exactly. Yeah. All right. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Good question too. Um, for listeners that when, when, podcast guests say that's a good question that's just buying them time to think um i think i think getting into the practice of journaling um i go in and out of being as consistent as i'd like with journaling but i think truly like writing down ideas it really does do something um and even if it's ideas we never go off of but i think uh getting into a practice of documenting them you know i have so many notes on my phone where i'm 
if I have an idea, I'll, I'll give myself some time to sit down and, and dump all of the ideas and all the thoughts around that into it. And it's important for me to get that out of my head and then sit mm. on it. And then that helps me to identify whether it's something to move forward with or not. And most I don't move forward with, mm. but I think journaling or note taking, you know, putting those ideas, actually getting them out of my head is uh, probably the best thing that I've built a habit of doing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, uh, I, I like that process and I, I find that really important to get the ideas out of the head and that, that kind of frees up space to think of other things again. I was recently um, had John Rossman from uh, author of The Amazon Way on the show and he talked about writing out instead of doing kind of bullet point, PowerPoint in an idea or a proposal, writing it out in great detail. And I thought that was fascinating to um, actually sit down and do that with ideas as well, to write yeah. them out, you know, how would this look in practice, asking a lot of questions like what can go wrong, um, what would it look like if everything worked out, who else needs to be involved, and, and a whole lot of different questions. And starting to write it out in great detail really brings a lot of thinking into that and, and also being able to then talk to others at a higher level of detail about that idea. I thought that was fascinating too. Yeah, I think that's a that's really interesting. And I also like what you mentioned of um, getting more, creating more space for our brain. Um, I think, yeah, I think we, we probably need a place to just put a bunch of crappy ideas mm. and like we just need to get them out of our brain. Um, one, so that we can, you know, rest and sleep and different things. And for a long time, I had a really hard time sleeping and, um, the better I actually am at like journaling and giving my time, giving my brain time to process ideas, the better I'm able to actually rest. Um, mm. So just getting those ideas out, out of my head has been really, really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the tricks I often use if I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about something and can't get back to sleep. I get up and write everything down. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't need to worry about that now until tomorrow morning and I've got it written down. I'll get back to it then. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Do you have a favorite resource you use most often? That's a good question too. Um, I would say it, it's simple, but honestly, the notes, I, I am an iPhone and Apple user. I think just getting into the habit, like similarly getting into the habit of opening the notes app, starting a note and, and writing thoughts down. Um, I struggle a little bit more going, jumping back and forth between resources and tools. Um, as far as where those ideas go, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe what the next action step is. Um, I, our team state, we use, we use Google, Google sheets and spreadsheets for mm. everything. Like my life lives on Google drive. Um, but I've also really, really liked notion, um, as a resource yeah. to kind of help to segment ideas and, and different things like that. But I'll keep it simple with just the, the notes, the notes app yeah. of my phone. I am using that every mm. day. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely love notion and, and like you, I do use a lot of notes, but my issue was always then keeping track of i know i've written this down mm -hmm. somewhere where is it so and that's where notion has really helped because i've structured my whole workspace there so that i can dump notes i can dump an email into into notion and then get rid of the email out of my inbox and and yeah. i'll have a reminder or something set up to come back to that email or that note when i need to yeah, it's a pretty amazing resource. Um, I've, I've seen some people use it in re really incredible ways. So that, that's one that I'm uh, starting to explore a lot more and starting to integrate uh, in quite a few ways into my personal and our, our business side of things. Mm, love it. All right, what's the best way to keep a client on track? Listen to them, I would say. <laughs> um, I think that's been important to, to have time to listen to clients. Um, and I've just realized that it's, I, I need to know what clients want. Um, because there's sometimes where a client might not be the right client, but I need to know, you know, I need to be able to listen to that and know what they want. Um, and if what they want and where we're going are on different paths, then it doesn't do, I think I've realized it doesn't do any good to keep that relationship happening for longer. 
Hmm. Um, there's been a lot of, a lot of projects that I've kept around for longer than I should have just because, you know, we've, we've wanted to keep the clients, um, you know, we've wanted to keep the revenue, but the energy that that drains of hmm. not having clients that are aligned. So I think the best way to keep a client on track, um, it really is to listen because then we're going to know quicker, uh, if there's, uh, if we're out of alignment and we'll be able to identify, can we come back into alignment and make this, you know, put this back on track or are we out of alignment for good reasons? And maybe because, you know, the, and this relationship has, has done its time. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, a really important point. And I guess we've all been there in that mm-hmm. sort of situation. And I, I can really relate to that draining of energy when you get into that situation where it's really hard to find the motivation to do that work and to continue to work on that relationship so it's often best to say well okay uh, it's probably best we we part ways here and and allow uh, enable a client to go somewhere where they're better served Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the energy that that saves is a lot more valuable than, you know, maybe the revenue that it's bringing yeah. in. Um, it, it, it's a game changer. All right. Finally, for the buzz, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? I think I, I'm biased, but I would <laughs> say to, to trust your story, like to, to really incorporate your story. Um, I, I often think about how we can... We can argue politics, you know, yeah. we can argue opinions, we can argue why you pick those microphones over this microphone, but I, I can't argue with your story. Mm. Um, I'd have to be a really, really terrible person to, <laughs> to argue with your story and your life experience. And so I think embracing your story and incorporating that into your work in ways and uh, embracing, like really, really trusting your story, I think, that's the biggest differentiator is mm. that uh, even if people's offer, people are offering the exact same services for the exact same price, they're not going to bring your unique flavor to it just in the same way you're not going to bring their unique flavor to it. And that's going to be determined by your story and what you've gone through and the experiences. And so I think you have to know that and know how that's Im- impacted you. And that's going to help you to align better with the clients that you're supposed to align with and probably not align with some of the ones that you're not supposed yeah. to align with. Yeah, that's great advice and and embracing the story. um, Really understanding what's the gift in that story for others. That's something that um, I've just finished reading a book and I'm I'm having the author on on this podcast in in a few episodes' time. I think it's three or four weeks away, but it's Chad E. Foster and the book is called Blind Ambition. And um, I won't spoil... I won't do more than a spoiler here but he talks about his own story which is a very powerful one very moving one uh, but in a way that what's the gift in this story for me and what's the gift in this story that I can then share with others and I thought that that's a really great way to look at a personal story absolutely yeah that that's great I'll have to I'll have to check that one out <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for getting us through the buzz, Seth. Now, um, remind us again, where can people find out about Story On and find your podcast? Well, both podcasts now. The, yeah. That by the time yeah, this absolutely. airs yeah, and also launching. maybe even get in touch and say thanks for what yeah. you shared today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, best way to, to reach us is at our website, which is successwithstories.com. Um, that's kind of our agency website and, you know, we have some highlights of some of the, some of the projects that we're working on, some of our original podcasts, but also some of our client work. So you can get in touch with me directly there. Um, and you can reach me on, um, pretty much any email, any, uh, social platform by searching for Seth Silver. So, um, we'd love to talk with anybody, you know, take any of these conversations further. Um, and by the time this is out, our, uh, our next original podcast from story on will be out um to be named we're just i was on a meeting just before this we we're talking about name ideas so the name will be out too by the time this is live excellent all right and we'll we'll of course have links to those in the show notes 
So is there some action, is there an action step you'd like our listener to take as a result of our conversation today, Seth? Yeah, well, you know, first off, just thank you for the opportunity. I think this has been, this has been great and the show that you do is wonderful. Um, I think that the action step is I would encourage the listeners to pay attention to maybe the idea that you're scared of or the idea that's making you nervous. Um, spend a little bit more time thinking about that idea and, and writing, maybe journaling a little bit about that idea. Um, maybe you're supposed to pursue it and maybe you're just supposed to process it. Hmm. I don't know. Um, but I, I think you're probably nervous about that idea for a reason and it's important to get to the bottom of that reason. Yeah. I love that. Great call to action. Excellent. All right. Finally, Seth, who else should I get on this show and why? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I think at some point you should get Carla, Carlos Diaz, who's the founder of Uncut FM, uh, on the show because the platform that he is envisioning and building for podcasters to be able to, um, engage their audience through NFTs is, uh, is really, really something. So, hmm. uh, I think he should be on the show and I think, I think you would really enjoy a conversation with him. All right. Well, we'll reach out to Carlos. I have had a conversation. You have introduced us already to Carlos and we've had a conversation just to understand more about the work he's doing at Uncut FM and, and see what we might be able to do with that. So, um, I certainly Great. want to take that conversation further, but yes, we'll, We'll talk to him about coming on the show. Thanks for that suggestion. And thanks so much for coming on in the Anova Buzz podcast today, Seth, and sharing your time and your insights so generously with us. It's been a wonderful conversation, fascinating ideas, and I've certainly learnt lots more about podcasting and and storytelling and the various ways to do it and, and your philosophy around it. So thanks for sharing all of that with us today. All the best for the future and let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your generosity of your time and your platform. You're going to really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that really informative and insightful conversation with Seth. He shared so many golden nuggets with us and most importantly, took something away from his episode. So why don't you, right now, listening into this, pay attention to the idea that you are scared of or that makes you nervous. Spend some time thinking about that idea and write about it or journal about it. Maybe you're supposed to pursue it. Maybe just process it for additional information. But there is a reason that you are nervous about that idea and you're scared of that idea. And often, it's not because it's dangerous. Most importantly, it would be really valuable to get to the bottom of that reason and understand that further. Sometimes the best ideas come out of that kind of reflection. Seth's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash Seth Silvers. That is S-E-T-H. S-I-L-V-E-R-S, all lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Seth Silvers. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Seth, as well as links to the story on website, the Small Business Storytellers podcast, his social media pages, and all the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Now, if you've listened this far into the show and you're a regular listener, then you know it's time for the challenge. If you loved this conversation, and why wouldn't you have loved it, and think it'd be useful to one other person, then be brave enough to share it with that one other person. In fact, I reckon it's your duty to share it with other people that would find this information valuable. So go ahead and do that now. And, of course... In the 536 other episodes that we've published until right now, yes, I've got it noted down what episode number this is. There's at least one more there that you haven't heard yet and is equally as valuable to you as this episode. So go ahead and find that one. Listen in on that episode before our next published episode, 538, and then send me a message on LinkedIn. Share with me 
what episode you picked, why you picked it, and most importantly, what was the takeaway? What did you do as a result of listening into that particular conversation? Seth suggested that we have a conversation with Carlos Diaz, the founder of Uncut FM, on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Carlos, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Seth Silvers. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode so that we can get to know you and why you listen. Also, it will help us make the podcast even better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred platform. And you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, go to innovabuzz.co forward slash flywheel where you can access a free gift my team and I made for you. A short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.